This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you, your classmates, your friends. You never know which one of them may be a mutant, a person born with strength. We need a name, though. Because normally, like, in any podcast you listen to, it's, Welcome well, to the greatest podcast on Earth. My name is Jeremy. All right, well... My name is Adam. Welcome to the uh, X-Men podcast. We don't have a name yet, and we're working on that. I'm Adam. <laughs> that was kind of a cumbersome intro. <laughs> okay, no, no, yes. Um, I'm, I'm Jeremy, and uh, we are going to read X-Men number one. We're going to read it to oh. you. Panel by panel. Hey, we're not, we're not going to read panel by panel. Oh, well, I thought that's, <laughs> that's what I signed up for. Oh, all right, fine. Uh, no, uh, voice actor. <laughs> no, I'm, I was going to do all the voices. You were going to do the little panels on the top. Like, meanwhile, oh, <laughs> that was you. <laughs> uh, excuse me. So, yeah, it's issue number one from September 1963, simply entitled X-Men. In quotes. In quote. Well, yes, because that's the title. So, uh, what do you? How do? Uh, how do you want to do this, Adam? We're gonna. We're, this is gonna. We're gonna run we rough shot here. That it's uh, written by Stan Lee, drawn by Jack Kirby. Ah, yes. By all Rain Man. Sure. E, and lettered by S. Rosen. Sure. Sam. Sam Rosen. Rosen. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, the X Men. There's Professor Xavier. Actually, kids uh, that are listening at home, go get your omnibuses. Go get your iPads. Go get your original mint condition versions and, and crack that thing open to page one and and follow along as we as we go yeah, through. It's the, definitely more fun if you if you follow along. And we don't know what we're doing. We're just making this up as we go. So. Or we could describe every single panel, and we could see how good we well, are yeah, at I mean, retelling we, story. We open with uh, Professor X uh, from a faraway shot, brooding. Uh, yeah. Described as motionless, well, alone yeah. with his indescribable thoughts. Yeah, he calls the X Men into the room, and we have our introduction to the four X Men: Cyclops, Iceman, the Angel, and the Beast. Uh huh. Sure. Well, it's Where is to note that uh, classes now in session and tardiness will be punished. Yeah, X Men. Uh, um, it's it. Uh, Professor Xavier, I think, is it in these panels here where he's like. All throughout this issue, you'll notice that he talks in terms of seconds. You need to be here in 15 seconds, 5 seconds, <laughs> yeah. 20 seconds. And if you're not here, tardiness will be punished. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, his indescribable thoughts. I don't know. That just seems like kind of lazy writing. <clears throat> but it's I, interesting to note that I, you know, I've, I've read X-Men number one many times, uh, starting with that old uh, Marvel masterpieces from way back when. And I always thought it looked like Iceman was basically swinging down from Angel's wing. Cause like, yeah, it's like he's swinging down from nothing. <laughs> everybody makes sense here, sort of. Like, Angel's flying, Beast is hurling himself in, Cyclops is just being Cyclops, and he just kind of... Beast <laughs> comes in through the window. <laughs> well, maybe he was outside playing tennis or something. But then Iceman, where does he come from? Did, did he, like, jump into the room, create that little ice pole, and then slide down it? Makes I, no I sense. So. <laughs> All right, well, there you go. So, Professor Xavier's just sitting there motionless, and then on the next page, you know, they're all... They're horsing around, I guess you would say, and, you know, the angels... Yeah, they, they, they really admire Mr. Xavier. Oh, yeah. Mr. Xavier. Well, and again, Propping he's... him up. You would almost think that he was, not dead, but in a coma, because we've already thought his little <laughs> yeah. thought bubbles, because he hasn't moved. Think, yeah, the whole... I, even even if you look at the panel in the lower left-hand corner, he just looks totally zoned out. <laughs> at least he has his eyes open in that picture, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, so they're, they're horsing around, uh, and then the thing that... Always kind of struck me about these uh, issues is um, so if you look at the bottom right hand panel there, you've got all of a sudden uh, Professor Xavier's office is now like a big computer terminal, right? Yeah, this is like pre danger rooms. <laughs> right, right. Some but like, where did this computer come from? Apparently, Cyclops rolled in this giant <laughs> computer. <laughs> oh, maybe that's why he wasn't available on like the previous four panels. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so then. Yeah. And they well, do. No, he's, he's, he's propping up his chair in that one. Oh, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's, he's not goofing off though. That's for sure. You know the other um, the other the thing I like about the X Men, especially the um, well, actually the X Men almost all throughout the entire series, uh, and no, notably here is everybody here has um, like a different a different physical look. Um, yeah. In that you've got a snowman, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, Angel with his wings. Cyclops has got something. We don't really know what it is yet because he hasn't used it. And then you've got Beast, which is just this big guy. But everybody's got like a noticeable trait. And I mean, you could say that about like the Avengers and and the Fantastic Four. Well, not the Fantastic Four so much because they really don't shine until they use their powers. But when they're just standing there, they all kind of look like normal people. 
I kind of oh, admire as, that. As do the X Men, as you'll you'll see later in this issue. I mean, when they when they dress down to look like people, they they even Beast passes uh, as a regular dude. Okay, all right. So what? Uh, yeah, and then. Well, I don't know what do we what do we got going on here? Some spinning. Uh, Professor X he just starts uh, testing Beast. I guess he's going to test them all one oh. by one. Yeah, and then here's another. Uh, you have exactly 15 seconds now. Go execute maneuver G. Oh no, three seconds. You have exactly three seconds. Three seconds. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and then Cyclops is down there. Cyclops is such a dork in these first few pages. Just sitting there. Yeah, he's he is he is the uh, quintessential model loser, <laughs> and then. Yeah, it never really... He's always like that, though. That's, that's never gone away. Well, I don't think so. I think his character kind of developed and matured over time. But in these early issues, he's just such a tool. And I guess that's probably the way they wrote him, is they just wanted him to be like this well, yeah, yeah, square he is, guy. He is the, he's like Leonardo from the Turtles. There's oh. always a... <laughs> what was Leonardo's role in the Turtles? Well, he was the, he was the leader, but he was also the stalwart. Master Splinter says this. Master Splinter says that. Yeah, but he you know, must have said like cowabunga. He must have said cowabunga, dude, and sliced up a pizza at least once. No, no, that was Michelangelo, and mm-hmm. and, and I don't even think anybody said cowabunga on the original comic. <laughs> okay, no, I was talking about the TV show. That probably doesn't count, Shh. does it? Yeah, you know, it's a good TV show. <laughs> that. All right, what else do we got going was, on here? That was how I discovered the turtles. The turtle? Oh, through the well, through the TV show. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think that was everybody's gateway. Right. Some people must have known about the comic. Well, I guess I should. For years before that. You're right. I shouldn't say it's everybody's gateway. Certainly was my gateway, though, into the turtles. I would like to meet somebody who was a comic reader before the show. No, I I think I've talked to some people that are like, oh, yeah, I've I've been a big fan of the comic book, but man, that TV show sucks. Like one of those sort of elitist type folks that was there before it all got popular. Yeah, the, the, the show was goofy, but it was a kid's show. It was fun. Right. And hence it was supposed to be. But anyways, this isn't the turtle cast. No, no, it's not. That, that'll that come another day, I'm sure. Oh, man. <laughs> Perhaps by some other people. <laughs> Hopefully. All right, so... Um, and so, Professor S starts testing uh, Angel. Yeah. It would appear that Beast has gone through his... Uh, well, he's going to be graded tomorrow. Oh, that's right, that's right. He's very curious about his grade. Uh, and he did ma- he did make it in exactly three seconds. So, that's, that's good. Yeah. And Angel's then, pretty cocky. And again, you know, there's all of these machines. So when we opened up earlier in the in the in the book, we saw like the window and the professor sitting there ominously silent with his indescribable thoughts. And now we haven't really left the office. We haven't gone anywhere and there's that giant clacking thing in panel 2 there and then the the spinning spiral of death or whatever's going on. Spanner. The spanner. <laughs> Ooh, the I, I swear to God, at some point, uh, Stan Lee was just just whipping things out, uh, <laughs> like, and and Jack Kirby was probably he was probably drawing so fast. He's like, I don't know where this thing came from, but I don't even care. He's just drawing this stuff. I mean, the art, I mean, is really good as far as you know the early '60s. I guess. I mean, I don't know what what, what would you compare. I mean, this isn't like Jim Lee or or even what you got going on today. No, this is this type is art. essentially <clears throat> how art looked in the '60s, which is. Uh, you know, pretty pretty realistic. But everybody talks about like Jack Kirby was just a brilliant artist and revolutionized comic yeah, I books. And I do I don't think X Men is where it really shines, though. Okay, I mean he was drawing. Well, he wasn't drawing Spider Man, but he was drawing just about everything else at this time. They all kind of look about the same, you know. Very simple faces. Um, I don't know the I six. Think maybe where it's like his his stuff where he gets that kind of legendary status is. Uh, the New Gods for DC, which I haven't read, but okay. um, I believe that has something to do with it. I mean, I guess he's all over the place, too. I mean, if, if it's like Stan Lee, he was at the forefront, so. Yeah, I suppose. And I got to be honest, like, so far, what are we on? We're on page four. I'm completely unimpressed with the writing. Yeah, it's that uh, writing from the 60s that has that kind of uh, uber descriptive, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. And uh, it's the type of thing that, you know, in, even in the Claremont years, Cyclops would carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about that, actually. Uh, Claire, I, I really like Claremont as a writer, and you're right. Uh, one of the biggest complaints he gets is that everybody was very chatty uh, as they were, mm-hmm. especially in the earlier years. I think he got a little bit better letting some of the art do the work, but he's always been a chatty guy. And so he must have just learned it from Stan. 
<laughs> so anyways yeah we're flying through the spanner and we're describing the whole thing and so far the professor it's very important to note that the professor hasn't actually opened his mouth to say anything he's just been thinking this to his students and then angel gets attacked by a sudden sound concussion what is that exactly well it's a it's a doesn't he i don't it's a it's a sound concussion. <laughs> it's a blast of sound. So not only... It, it makes him have trouble flying. What would a sound concussion be? I mean, it sounds like it would be really loud. Maybe it's just disorienting. Now, again, we have to keep this in the... the, the he, they're all in this office. They haven't left the setting. All the students are still there. So if he got hit with a sound concussion, that means everybody got hit with a sound concussion. And if I'm Professor Xavier's <laughs> students, I'm like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> Maybe he uh, blocked all of their minds from hearing the sound concussion. Oh, because not only does he have mind control, he has ear control. Well, I suppose <laughs> he could have blocked like the mental receptors of sound. I suppose he's got that ability. This right. is, I think I, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen um, angels' wings flapping before. <laughs> And I think it looks kind of silly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't think you've ever really seen a shot of him just practicing his hover maneuver, as the <laughs> professor calls it. So then, um, does I everybody get a maneuver? That nobody, nobody takes him seriously, or professor, the professor is not taking him seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wants a real task, so he goofs off in the corner, which apparently everybody's going to watch him goofing off in the corner for five minutes. Mm hmm. There's a lot of panels devoted to him dressing up as a snowman. <laughs> and, I, you know, you have to admire his fortitude. He actually went to class with an orange peel, a carrot, and two buttons on the off chance that he would be able to pull off this little prank. And this little mouth thing. Well, that's the orange peel, isn't it? Is that what it is? <laughs> I guess I just always assumed it was an orange peel. So, yeah, somewhere in his little frosty pockets, he always carries around a, a snowman costume. Well, you got to. <laughs> so, I mean, if I'm the professor, I give him, I give him a, I give him a good grade right there, just for levity. But in fact, it is a, uh, a trap. They're trying to keep him off guard mm-hmm. and uh, testing him, and and Beast rolls a bowling ball at him. Yeah, yeah. Which apparently he pulled out of his locker. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is there. There is a locker. I mean, you also have to, I guess, admire the professor. Here he's got his office, a locker with a bowling ball in it. I don't know how much bowling the professor's actually doing since he's confined to a <laughs> wheelchair, but he's got the bowling ball. He's got all these machines. Uh, that broom and that hat were waiting there for, for uh, Iceman to, to throw on his little uh, snowman costume. Yeah. The professor's Iceman got it all. This is the uh, bowling ball test. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is pretty good. Hurls it right oh, back to him. Beast warns him that this thing is no soap bubble. No, it's a, it's a, it's in fact a bowling ball, <laughs> as is clearly indicated by the panel. And uh, yeah, he makes himself a little ice ramp. Uh, I don't know. Has he ever made this ice ramp in future issues? Doesn't he? Doesn't he slide on his ice ramp? Well, he's or is got it just from like the Amazing Super Friends. <laughs> no, the ice slides uh, carry through. He was big into the ice slides in X Factor. I remember. If you remember in X Factor when he got like infected or something by Apocalypse, I don't remember exactly what happened to him. He was over generating ice, so they had to put this little confinement belt. Oh, but when that's the when belt he got broke, his fancy belt. Yeah, but when his belt broke, he like just had to like blast ice everywhere, or else he would like freeze up. It was pretty crazy. So there's ice slides all over New York City. Yep. Mm-hmm. And here we get our uh, our first on the next page. We get our first Cyclops grandstanding, um, oh. as yeah. Beast calls it. Look, you two be clowns. Be more careful next time. That's not how he says it. He doesn't say it. He says, be more careful next time. <laughs> that bowling ball just missed the professor by a whisker. That kind of horseplay isn't funny. He's from Canada now. <laughs> I just made him from Canada. Uh, yeah, so he, he's a, he's a what, do they, what do you call it? He's a square. He, yeah. he definitely, like the rest of the boys, like, I bet you uh, Iceman and Beast probably sneak back behind the school and maybe have a cigarette. Probably Iceman more so than Beast. Beast only does it kind of in an intellectual way. Maybe he smokes a pipe of tobacco, but not a cigarette. But Iceman is definitely just smoking lots of cigarettes. Uh, Cyclops is the guy that comes around and says, I'm telling the professor. Exactly. <laughs> Even the professor is like, come on, Scott, I can read their minds. I know they're smoking cigarettes. I don't care. But he doesn't let on because, you know, he's trying to train the boy for, you know, not being such a wimp. So anyways, because so, of that outburst... Is his intellectual self yet? Um, yeah. He seems kind of dorky in this. He is, but it's I think... Like I think he's... Dorky and... I th- yeah, he, actually in this issue, he is pretty... Uh, 
uh, jokey and macho, uh, as we will see in some future panels. But I think they do kind of allude to his elevated... Maybe they don't. I don't know. I guess we'll have to keep reading here. And then the professor asks uh, Cyclops to attack Beast mm-hmm. and Iceman, which seems kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Just blasts him. Which, you know, again, uh, this is uh, another, not another, but uh, an introduction to a series of inconsistencies. So we see that Cyclops' visors open pretty wide and and Beast gets blasted, but it just basically knocks him against the wall. Whereas we'll see later on in future years or whatever issues, he'll he'll level mountaintops and and buildings with his blasts. So a little inconsistency with the level of his power here. You know, it's it's what it needs to be. <laughs> Inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever okay. the story demands. I gotcha, I gotcha. Alright, so Oh, uh, he looks like he totally takes Beast by surprise, which just seems a little unfair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then of course, as he points out, there's no such word as fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All's fair. Do you see what I did there? I didn't even do that on purpose. No, no, you didn't. That was that was good. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and then, and then, uh, so uh, Cyclops blasts uh, uh, Iceman in his little ice cube block that he's made uh, with his energy ray. Again, that's Stan- Stanley just running out of steam there. <laughs> I'm going to give you the energy ray. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Kirby again is like, I don't even care. Just drawing this stuff. He's in an ice block. Why, why is he in an ice block? That doesn't make any sense. That's his protective ice block. Mm, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then it's continued on the next page or something. And then Professor X just has them freeform brawl. Oh, is it here where he's like, you may goof off for exactly five seconds? Or was that <laughs> earlier? I don't know. The Professor gave him some goof off time. Maybe that was earlier in the comic. Yeah, a few minutes was... of rough houses yeah. for all of you. That's right. Oh, that's what he's doing there in the fourth panel there. Okay, and they're roughhousing. And they're roughhousing in such a way that Cyclops is literally blasting them with his energy ray. I mean, that doesn't <laughs> seem like horseplay to me. That seems like it could be deadly. Because as we'll see, like, later on, he always gets all mopey. He's like, I might kill somebody with my energy ray. I must never let it get out of control. <laughs> and here he is just blasting his, his, his buddies. That's true. We don't see any of the mopey Cyclops in this issue. I think we do a little further on. Well, maybe it's the next issue. Oh, I think it might be. I'm oh, I'm just giving it away. Ugh. Oh, man. It's hard to keep all this stuff straight. Okay, so then the professor uh, mind yells at them so loud that they all get scared. And uh, and then in the next panel, Angel has his arms around. <laughs> it's like he's protecting his little buddy. <laughs> Simmer down. We'll see what happens next. Simmer down, boys. We'll see what happens next. I imagine that angel talks like that back in this period. <laughs> <laughs> I congratulate you. You've all mastered rough. reading my thoughts. So oh, here's I'm a, the beast. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, he, turn that blasted visor down. I think they did over accentuate the gorillaness of beast in these earlier issues. But it is what Although it is. He does, uh, he does dress up nice. He does later on. But on the last panel of page seven here, uh, we've got Professor saying, I congratulate you for mastering reading of his thoughts. But as we <laughs> learn, he's the professor with like the greatest brain on the planet, and I don't think anybody needs to practice reading his thoughts because doesn't he just project his thoughts into your head? Yeah, they, they clearly had not developed. They idea. had not. <sighs> so, all right. There's a new pupil. A most attractive page. Everybody's lady. ogling at the window, except for Iceman. I, oh yeah. Oh, because because stocks off. Yeah, he's like a girl. Big deal. I'm glad I'm not a wolf like you guys. I'm gonna go be a snowman for a while. I'll be in there playing with my trucks. <laughs> so they pay. He's a 16 year old, but they really paint him to be like this 10 year old boy. Yeah, you know, it was the 60s. 16, like the the 16 uh, year old in the 60s was was not into girls. Yeah, exactly. Especially it, like he, hot, he thin, like redheads. <laughs> you know, boys corrupt so so much these days. Ah, uh, yes, yes. It wasn't until eighteen where they're 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 they went nuts. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. So then we get our first introduction of uh, Marvel Jean Girl, Jean Grey. Yep. Yep. I really liked Marvel Girl. <laughs> I had the I had a crush have, on Marvel. Did you have a crush on her? Oh my god! Not so much here in the '60s because she looks like she looks like a mom with this 
thing, this little cap she's got on, and her. She's got like a little Jackie O outfit there. Yeah, she's. I don't know. She looks like a mother here. Put little glasses on her, and she's got gloves on for God's sakes. What is the thing she's holding? Is that a mirror? Because in a few panels down, it looks like she's fixing her hair. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a pocketbook or something. I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know because there is another. Yeah, uh, on the first, uh, if you go to the next panel, next page, we can skip past this. I mean, we're we're getting our introduction. Everyone's although, like, "Hey, everybody!" Although I do want to point out, oh. when the other members of the team show up to uh, meet them, look at Cyclops' hands. He looks <laughs> like Mr. Burns. You're right. That that was. We can't skip this panel. I mean, first of all, you've got. I don't know what Beast is wearing. He's got like a. He's a smoker, like I told you. He's got a big old smoking jacket on. See that? And then you're right. I mean, what the hell is Scott wearing? I mean, Slim. Slim Summers. He's got his golf pants on, some horrible yellow V-neck sweater, and yes, he's doing a Mr. Burns pose with his fingers. Ooh, a girl. Mm, Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) And then you got Angel, who is, of course, yeah. He looks good there. He's he's cut. It's like he was cut. He's the dapper man. Yeah, right. He's, He's the playboy, the rich playboy. Of course, we really haven't established much of this yet. We really don't know what these characters' backgrounds are at this point. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so mm-hmm. Angel is definitely a charmer. He's he's got the best lines. Well, he's got a, he's got blonde hair. I mean, look at that. If you look at uh, uh, page nine there, the first panel, he looks like he's ready to put a move on her. But I gotta point out that Beast. I don't know what you think he looks like, but I think he looks like Ronald Reagan in that picture. <laughs> He looks kind of like a fat Ronald Reagan. Well, yeah, yeah, a bigger, wider Ronald Reagan, but he's got the hair, and there's just something about that grin that just spells like, I don't know. Politician? Tear down that wall. <laughs> I am, he looks more like Nixon to me. Okay, but I, 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 I kind of think that Nixon and Reagan look the same, so I don't know. Anyways, he looks like a, he looks like a former president. <laughs> so then uh, you've got, so angel makes a line there oh she has one very obvious power the power to make a man's heart beat faster that's not a good line that is smooth (laughs) but then Iceman calls him out but he says you know something Warren if I had your line I'd shoot myself and I'm trying to figure out what does that mean if I had (laughs) your line I'd shoot myself like if if I said that line, I'd shoot myself. But if I had your line, is that maybe that's like '60s talk for? Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe a lot of this can be ascribed to just being '60s, attributed to the '60s. All right. So Slim brings a chair. There he is, very skinny with his V-neck. Oh, he's wearing a tie. No, not a tie. He's wearing a bow tie. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> oh, that's what he's doing. He's fixing his bow tie. Oh, where? Mr. Burns oh. is fixing his bow tie. <laughs> this will sh- certainly impress her. I have a bow tie to go with my yellow sweater and my golf pants. Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> so he's the one that brings a chair to Jean Grey. And oh my gosh, it slips out of his grip and almost knocks over Beast. Zip. And uh, still, she does not reveal what she what her powers are. And the professor forces her to make a... Uh, Oh, a demonstration. demonstration. Oh, but going back to the first panel here on this page, so that thing that she was carrying, is it a pocketbook or a mirror? Because it looks like she's doing her hair, fluffing herself up. It and looks, Yeah, but I, I don't know what it is. So how full of herself is she? She comes into this new school not really knowing what it is with her mirror. Maybe that's her, like, Turning her... around her mirror, and then the boys come around her, and she's already... Oh. She's pretending it's a mirror. She's like a primping defense. with it. Yeah, they're standing behind her looking at it, so if they can't tell that it's a mirror, then they're just... They're not very smart. <laughs> So, yeah, how Except full of your... Iceman, who's Iceman's looking at Angel. <laughs> he is checking Angel out. If <laughs> I had your line, I'd shoot myself. Well, maybe it's like, if I liked girls, I'd shoot myself. Oh. Maybe line is like code for sexuality in the 60s. You know what? <laughs> Marvel Girl pulls the chair right through Beast. If if she doesn't know that he can jump over that. She doesn't. She's kind of a jerk, and we're... Uh, it, We'll find out more about. I've got some more stuff to say about her, but it's just later on. <laughs> Seriously, she ain't cool, <laughs> and that's why I don't have a crush on this Jean Grey. I have a I have a crush on the X Factor Jean Grey. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So she very boringly picks up a book and reads it, and then puts it back. And she actually says it, <laughs> but it gets boring after a while. So I'll return the book like this. My power is boring. <laughs> so then they talk so a lot. Professor X describes what the school is about. Mm-hmm. Beast tries to lay a kiss on her. So you're right. He is oh, kind, so of, kind yeah, of. We kind of. We. This is like 
the introduction of Jean Grey gives the personalities of everybody. We have hoity-toity Scott, who gets the chair. He's kind of the gentleman. We mm-hmm. have uh, Warren, who is the ladies' man. And uh, we have Beast, who is just the klutzy... Uh, no, kind of he, they're showing him as like this womanizing misogynistic guy <laughs> oh there's a girl over there yeah, i'm gonna be the first one to kiss her <laughs> come here baby i'm gonna plant one on your cheek yeah he really gets in there though i think that's acceptable behavior in the 60s <laughs> <laughs> all right and then uh, this is also a good demonstration of her power and i think it comes into play later on uh this is important to remember that she picks beast up and beast is what good 200 240 maybe Mm-hmm. spins him around like a top and then slams him on a chair so that's pretty pretty powerful to be able to live 240 pounds spin it around with complete control and then throw him down on a chair so you gotta admire that power but I think later on she does not have this control but I don't remember I think uh, I think this is what Jack Kirby is kind of remembered for is this panel of Professor X like over the world it's oh, okay. just like a really good concept that's a you cool know, you, shot you, definitely you get the whole idea that oh he, he his power allows him to kind of uh have a have command over the world in a way he can eat the earth <laughs> <laughs> look at him he, he is like galactus mm, food has galactus been invented yet in september 1963 it's it's uh it's definitely possible all right all right, so I don't know the timeline. I, I know that uh, Galactus shows up in Fantastic in Four, right? The first forty or fifty issues of the Fantastic Four. So I'm gonna go on the on the. I'm gonna say that Galactus has not been uh, uh, revealed yet, because Maybe I, this was the inspiration for Galactus. <laughs> just a big head, big bald head over the Earth. No, so he is truly not trying to eat the Earth. He's just I don't know what he's doing. He's in the astral well, it's, plane it's, or something. It's like a segue panel, which is like, yeah, Professor no. X telling the story about, well. The, the X-Men were formed in order to combat evil mutants. The good ones versus the evil ones. And so, it segues perfectly into an evil mutant. Yes. Who, I mean, Magneto... Magneto well, I used to call Magneto until the movie came out. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. It was never quite clear about that either. Um, maybe until the movie came out, maybe that kind of solidified it. Because I went back and forth between Magneto and Magneto. But yeah, once the movie's kind of—I mean, I figured they must have done some research and asked somebody at Marvel. <laughs> called up Stanley. Stan, at uh, Magneto or Magneto? Uh, Magneto, <laughs> yeah, Excelsior. It's Magneto. Can I be in the movie? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you gotta know that those movie execs, are like for God's sake, gotta put him in again. <laughs> All he does is hang out here and tell us things. Yes, Stan, we know you invented these characters. Yes, Stan, you're the greatest. Did I ever tell you the time I invented (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man? Steve Ditko will take some credit for it, but really, it was me. All me. There's a guy whose sole job is to insert Stan Lee into movies. (laughs) Some guy who has to write him in. Uh, He, he like, reads through the scripts, figures out, oh, Stan could be this. Oh, we could put a hot dog vendor right here. Or if there isn't a role, he gets all hoity-toity and mad. He turns into Cyclops. There doesn't appear to be a role for Stan Lee in this movie. Um, um, you can't go forward with this unless you add one. His contract strictly stipulates that he must have a bit role. So, yeah, we get we get our first taste here of Magneto. And, and uh, I got to say, he, he looks like a clown, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I don't know. red. It's not, not a great... Well, I mean, his costume never really changes. He he sometimes wears the helmet and loses the helmet. But I mean, something about his lips here, something about this panel, he just looks cloddish. It's like that realism of the art. What's that? Very realistic lips and... Are they, though? I can't tell what's really going on with the lips. I can't tell if, like, there's supposed to be teeth there that just got colored in wrong. But he looks like he has huge, like a huge... I don't know. It looks like he's got a big sausage on his face right there. The way mine is colored, we got a thin upper lip. Oh. And a fatty lower lip, and then there's teeth in the middle. Oh, okay. So mine, uh, the teeth are flesh colored. So it all just looks weird. All the way down by the bottom of the helmet, you have his chin. Sure. And he's got like a big double chin there, too. He's not, he hasn't really been working out. Kind of looks <laughs> like the way this one's colored, anyway. Or inked, he's I should say. He's not the master of chin. I suppose. He's the master of magnetism, magnetism, so he doesn't really need to work out. So that's what he does, is he just, like, moves stuff around with his mind and just eats burgers all day and plans out how he's going to steal missiles. 
Which gets us to this is what I don't really understand. So he's he's in yet another computerized control center, nerve center, if you will, uh, controlling a missile. So uh, he must have some base somewhere. But what is he looking out of in this first panel? It's like a big green metal window, maybe. <laughs> All of my months of preparation and planning shall now pay off. What's he pointing at? <laughs> and then in the next frame, he's just staring at this, like this sonar, this the, that that screen with a target. I don't and know. In the frame after that, he's got a little square screen. Oh, you're right. So he's just got like tons of screens and windows that just don't seem to line up very well. Oh, and dials. There's a dial there too. Yeah. So I don't know what he's doing. So he's the master of magnetism, but it looks like he's using these computer systems to control this missile or this rocket or whatever it is. When he could simply just because go out he there needs and to be able to see it. Oh. Well, yeah. But okay. So do you but think? Then I guess he doesn't need to be see it because in the next page he. He reaches out with his magnetic powers and, and just finds the missile. <gasps> You're right. That's right. So he uses the computer to launch it, and then he uses his magnetic powers. Oh, because this rocket was like supposed to be, if you read it, I think it's supposed to be like the most perfect rocket that's supposed to have the best trajectory and is never supposed to miss or something. And it did. Right, the guy says afterwards, every phase of the launching was A-OK. There can only be one explanation. Bird was tampered with. But how? Which, you know, even a microbe I, couldn't uh, have penetrated our top secret measures. I, I disagree with his assessment that um, <laughs> there's probably more than one explanation. Like maybe the master maybe of magnetism wasn't okay. <laughs> maybe the missile was a dud. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, you know, this is what I miss. Okay, so I think they must have improved like time transitions within comic books because. We've only had like six or seven panels or something here. And then I guess I must have missed this part, which is very crucial to the whole uh, story where it says the next day, the shocking news is transmitted to the starting link pile. Because when I read this, this whole Magneto thing, I read it as like it's all happening within the span of a day and like none of it made any mm. sense. <laughs> so, all right. Not only does he stop the missile, but he reveals to the public that the missile has been stopped. He's doing self-advertising. Is he? Yeah, because the uh, oh, the if you go to the talking about the the startled public. Oh, well, the like shocking news is trans measures. Yeah, but that's the shocking news. He's even supposed to know about this missile. You're right. That's pretty poor security at that military base. Oh, unless Magneto leaked it. Mm. I think so. I think he was on the phone with his agent at the news. Sure. <laughs> Phantom saboteur strikes again. Uh, yeah. So then later on that afternoon, the guns start shooting at each other. Oh my gosh, the gun's out of control. And then the tank starts rolling Tank's around. out of control. Wow, it's moving by itself. And then Magneto, which this makes no sense to me at all, he composes a message in the sky out of dust particles from the air itself. Yeah. So, where, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's the master. And skillfully, skillfully magnetized. So he has magnetized the dust particles. There's a lot of... The dust particles themselves, I guess, are not magnetic, mm -hmm. but, but he, he magnetized them. There's a lot of inconsistencies, I think, with Magneto's powers in the first, I don't know, run of 20 uh, issues, which I'm sure we'll get into. But when I first read he this... signed his name. It's a signature. It's yes. incursive. Well, he's got very good control of his powers. When I first read the base, or I'll take it by force. Signed, Magneto in dust, <laughs> in dust particles from the air itself, skillfully magnetized. But see, when I read this, I, when I read this first in the old Marvel masterpieces, I never really read these little descriptors because I always found them boring. I'd only read the balloons, <laughs> <laughs> so I made up my own reason. So I always figured because the, the first few panels here are of the tanks and then the guns. I always figured that he shot off all the bullets and the tank cannonballs and everything to form that message but which I would see that would make sense <laughs> that would make more sense than dust magnetized dust particles whatever so the the army does not surrender no and magnetos magnetos Mag off magneto it. so oh yes 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 <laughs> i'm gonna call him magneto throughout oh my these god series. all <laughs> right i refer to it as. No, 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 no. so on the next page tasty taking action he launches no, not the uh, next page not yet again we're back in this this his his control center in this <laughs> five-fifth panel there has grown even larger and um again i am to think that he is still miles away from the launch site so i don't know how he had the magnetic power to uh make those guns go out of control and that tank but then we see in the sixth well, panel 
He's like m- blasting his magnetic powers into a screen for some reason. So it must be some sort of a focus unit that it allows him to control things from a distance. Well, it's his is it's his energizer. <laughs> I'll direct my magnetic impulses into this energizer. So Magneto apparently has the resources, wherewithal, and fortitude to build this huge control center that focuses around his energizer to increase his power. So all right, yeah. And then on the next page. And he launches some missiles, sends them into the sea. Mm-hmm. But still, the thought of surrender never even crosses the minds of the mad base personnel. They're just angry, and they're shaking their fists and stuff. And and then, okay, so this is what doesn't make sense. He decides sense. to show up. He shows up. So a couple of panels ago, and, and yesterday, so I think if, we've, if we're reading this clearly, it's only been 24 hours, and somehow he just, like, walked up and was like, hey, everybody from his base that was miles away. I don't know, does he have a car? Did he take a cab? Like, how did he get here? And it, it seems like there's no really no real passage of time here. So it's like he did this display. The base personnel are like, oh, we're not going to surrender. And then Magneto shows up. And then they all make fun of him his, for his, his costume. His base is clearly nearby. But it says, they do make fun of him, which is a constant thing. But it's, superheroes get made fun of in the early days. Well, well we know their costumes are ridiculous. It's not just us. <laughs> but the thing is, like, earlier in the issue, they say, many miles away. <laughs> so he traversed many miles, whatever. All right, so the next page, he's magnetized. But he's magnetized in such a way that nobody can hit him, and people yeah, are being repelled off of him. And he's able to magnetically lasso them together. See, none of this makes any sense. <laughs> but I don't understand this panel in the upper right hand where he's just walking and people are flying around. That's what I'm trying to say. Are the people, I mean, like, it, like if the helmets were flying away or belt buckles or their guns or something, but it's the actual people are being, like, look at the one dude, the guy that's saying, it's like he's got an invisible barrier around him. He's, like, upside down, <laughs> legs up in the air. <laughs> like, how did he get in that position from being magnetically repelled from, from Magneto? That doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. And then the magnetic lasso. I think, uh... Stanley is kind of using the invisible woman's powers at this point. Again, Stanley's just frantically writing, and, and Jack Kirby's like, I don't, what is it, what? what? Oh, magnetic lasso? Whatever. He just drew it. I like to draw. <laughs> I like these little curvy magnetic lines. And then, yeah. And in, the, uh, the, in the next panel, um, I guess the fourth panel on the page, and finally. Oh, the word balloons cover up Magneto. So this gets back to your theory. We were talking about this, I think, off pod, where you said, uh, I said, well, how does how does Stanley have all the time to write all this stuff? And you said that he would give outlines to, like, maybe Jack Kirby. So that may, this actually makes a lot of sense, that Jack Kirby just drew all of this. And then later on, Stanley's like, well, how do I... in the word balloons wherever he could, where in this case was over the top of uh, Magneto. So he built the story. And so I'm sure he's like... Uh, yeah, and this kind of takes away from his presence because it's Magneto. He's the most, he's the second most powerful mutant on the earth or whatever, and you covered him up with a word balloon. Why not put the word balloon at the bottom? At his feet? He, Stanley, you know, just didn't like that look. He was like, oh, this looks terrible. Or, or even better, so the guy says, all right, uh, whoever you are, you have 60 seconds to say what you want and, and say it. All he would have to do is say, wrong, general. And then the next panel could be him, you know, doing whatever is his little magnetic net here. He doesn't need to say all of the, I, the miraculous Magneto, claim this entire installation in the name of Homo Superior. He doesn't need to do that. And in fact, I think I think, this, I think we're showing there that um, whereas Professor X has command of time, this general does not. Professor X can say beast, ah. jump through a hoop in three seconds. Mm-hmm. But this guy? Well, the general? Well, he's not. He's no Professor X. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think this might be our first mention of Homo Superior, did, or did Professor Xavier say that earlier? He must have said that earlier. I don't know. So this might be the second reference, a callback, if you will, to, to Homo Superior, tagging up on, on the fact that, uh, well, mutants are, are Homo Superior. But anyways, yeah, so he, 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 Magneto wraps them all into a living fence. A living fence. And he takes Cape Citadel. A mighty shield of magnetic energy. 
And so I have meanwhile. accomplished my first objective, gentlemen. Yeah. Meanwhile, Marvel Girl is doing a fashion show, and the boys are creepily staring at her from around the corner. <laughs> well, no, they they um. And you can't see just, any of their hands, so I'm just saying, I'm just pointing it out her, there. And and rather than you know just walk into the room because they don't know where she is, they creep around corners. <laughs> where did the new doll go? Oh, there she is. <laughs> oh yeah, wowie! Looks like she was poured into that uniform. Oh, so now that's coming from Iceman. So now finally, Iceman's like, oh, so that's what a girl looks like. I think his <laughs> hormones snapped right there. <laughs> he has become a man honestly boys so how much time has has progressed here do you think from the time marvel girl showed up in the taxi cab to this panel here where she's trying on her new outfit good question because in the in the in the f- further panel down she says i never saw prof- the professor like this before so grim so intense so she must have had you know a couple days to but again above that see him at work Exactly, 15 seconds later. <laughs> I command you for your punctuality. And yes, I, I did want to make mention of, oh, I've never seen him so grim before. But if you were to read this in a linear fashion, it seems like maybe a day has passed. Two tops. Mm. So has she had she any formal training? with him. <laughs> well, that could be. She's been with him 24-7. <laughs> Um, and then, so this is the panel that really kind of makes me laugh. I don't think anywhere else in um, the X-Men's history do you see anybody putting their boots on in this fashion. <laughs> to me, like I have a five-year-old daughter and that's how she puts her boots on. She gets down on the ground and she hunkers on her boots and she scoots them on and then she stands back up. Like in the panel like before in that? The prior panel. He, in he the shouts, prior panel. Yabo! Yeah, he says Yabo, whatever that means. That must be also 60s speak. But he's all sideways. He almost kind of looks like a little bit of Spider-Man, like getting ready to run towards whatever he's running towards. His boots. His boot. <laughs> I gotta get my boots. Yeah, so that's... Uh, he's is in the shadows. He's kind of doing right. a monkey pose there. It kind of looks like a gorilla. <laughs> but, yeah, all right. I wonder who this mutant is. Yep, and then I don't know, man. This she they they get in their car, they his Rolls Royce, which is totally inconspicuous, right? And they drive it to the airport. I mean, was traffic okay? Where's the airport? I mean, they're in Westchester, right? Westchester is pretty far away from LaGuardia, and then they get in their plane. And if you read this, it's like you mean the professor is guiding this plane from the ground by thought impulses? It's unbelievable. <laughs> At this point, you're like, why are you even sending the X-Men? Why doesn't the professor just stop him? If he can control an airplane with his mind? Why does he need to control the plane? Just because nobody can fly? (laughs) He's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's a control freak. That's my airplane. Because I think he's also driving the the, uh, Rolls Royce, even though he's got no use of his legs. That's my airplane over there. I'll be controlling it with my mind. (laughs) All right, so then they're firing at the magnetic shield and stuff. Stuff, and then the X-Men are like, hey, everybody, can we give it a try? <laughs> I don't know. Like, So this plane had to fly from Westchester to wherever Fort Citadel is or Camp Citadel. It had to land. The X-Men had to get off the plane. And then they had to walk from the plane to these people who are trying to shoot the magnetic force field. At some point, don't you think air traffic control would have come down and been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got, this is a war zone here. And you costume weirdos can't just they're, they're, come they're, here. They're really concentrated on this. Plus, probably all their gear is all messed up because Magneto's throwing out these uh, magnetic waves of haywire. So you don't think that there's even more security in place to make sure that no other weirdos in costumes come and land and make the situation no, even worse? everybody is down on the ground watching the cannon shoot at the magnetic... And by this panel, it looks like all four of them field. are trying to blast <laughs> through the magnetic. It's very top-secret base. There's even more. Oh, yeah. And this is where I take issue, okay? This is where I decide that the X-Men are, like, the rudest team ever. No kidding. (laughs) Now, um, Cyclops doesn't really do anything. He's like, okay, uh, we're attack. And then Iceman doesn't really have much control over. He's got, he runs there, he freezes them, and it's not really his fault that he's a frosty guy. And And he does apologize. He does. He's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. And Angel, he flies over them, and everyone's like, oh, my God, an angel. But then Beast... (laughs) Just grabs somebody by the head, shoves them down, and leapfrogs over them. And then he warns the next guy that he's about to do it to him, too. I'm coming for you. And then Marvel Girl, again, I mean, 
She's yeah, rather than get out of my way because this is the fastest way is through you. The guys. fastest way is to lift up one, two, three, four, five, maybe six hundred and eighty pound men, move them over her while she runs under them, uh, instead of like lifting herself above them or maybe just running around them. Although she does say, "Sorry, boys, I'm in a hurry." This is the easiest, the easiest, not the fastest, but the easiest way is to lift six hundred and eighty pound men over me. The way that women have been treated in this comic, they're all probably like, oh, well, that's okay. Oh, maybe this is empowering where she's just like, step aside, boys. I'm coming through. <laughs> uh, so maybe it's kind of... Wo- that's a real woman. W- women's Libby or something. Because maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe Stan had a girlfriend or a wife at this time. It's like, man, you've had all these boys like hitting on her. Like, why don't you give her her due and have her like push a bunch of guys out of the way? Stan's like, you chicks dig that sort of thing? All right, I'm going to write it in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then they they shoot the magnetic force field to no yeah, avail. Cyclops uses his he switches to maximum power mm-hmm. that he can only re- maintain mm-hmm. his pressure for a few seconds. Which I don't know. Afterwards, his head will explode. Something I don't know. Kind of uh, looks like he's turning into a human matchstick. Again, we don't know how far away Camp Citadel is or Fort Citadel is, but uh, the professors still talk beaming thoughts to him. So, you know, again, going back to the whole practice of receiving his thoughts, I don't think anybody really needs practice if he can beam his thoughts. Like comments on, he's, he's pretty impressed. Gosh, the professor yeah. is still in touch with us mentally, despite the distance between us. He's got a shaky voice. <laughs> yes, professor. I'll increase my intensity. So the professor is such a micromanager that he drives the car, flies the airplane, and tells the professor exactly how much intensity to use. He's a jerk. How are these students ever going to learn anything if they don't? If he doesn't cut the strings, man? He doesn't trust them. Is this their first mission? I suppose. I'm not surprised he even let Iceman go. Yeah, he's only 16. I mean, think about the liability there. If I was Iceman's parents, I'd be mad. He hasn't even started training Jean Grey. That's true. Oh, so yeah, you got a 16-year-old boy out there and an untrained girl that just joined the school. And her st- I mean, you get the impression that she doesn't know why she's there, so you know her parents don't know why she's there. <laughs> God, the professor's fast and loose with his students. He don't care. Get in there, boys and girls. Take out that second most powerful mutant, who, by the way, is my best friend, but you won't know that for a while. Exactly. <laughs> He's taking it personal, but we don't know that yet. Uh, so then... Magneto, 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 Magneto is, is uh, weakened by this blast, mm-hmm. which is odd, but all right. I like his blast, though. I like this panel, the first panel, where Cyclops' entire face is engulfed in flame. Not flame, yeah, but... Uh, human matchstick. Energy ray. Yeah, like a human magic, just like you said. Maximum power. I'm not joking, actually. I do like this frame. It does kind of indicate the, the amount of intensity that Cyclops can muster. Now, does this, is this like a uh, whole continuity? Does he have a maximum power that continues to be maintained? Yeah, I don't know. I think actually, yeah, I think many, many, many issues later, you see him like do some crazy blast and he passes out because of the intensity or something like that. His head doesn't blow up, though. As this panel would indicate, it might. <laughs> so yeah, Magneto comes, falls down, and again, he's like another. He's a powerful mutant, but in that third panel, he looks like he's. I don't know. Succumbed. He's just completely wasted. Yeah. But then, instead of like the X Men jumping in there and like capturing him, they run away. I guess I don't know. Oh, Cyclops did pass out. Beast is carrying him. They're they're, run, they're running towards him. Oh yeah. Okay. He's carrying Cyclops, which is very kind of him. They could have just left him there. Sure, I would have. <laughs> him in a stupid bow tie. I'm surprised the professor wasn't like, just leave him, boys. <laughs> go out and go yeah. get Magneto. <laughs> Make sure he you bring served him. his purpose. So then they do some. He shoots, uh, Magneto shoots missiles at them. Yep. So then they do this whole dodging action packed sequence. So, you know, I think a lot of the stuff I've read about Stan Lee is he likes to do the. He likes the action panels, and every issue, if you've read, I'm sure you've read, where it's like, join us next month for the most exciting issue you've ever read, and every issue he writes is like, the most exciting issue you've ever read. So I think a lot of this is just filler for sequences like this, which really, in my opinion, are kind of boring. Well, I, I get the feeling he does enjoy the uh, Maybe. Like people just standing around talking, you know, give the characters actual 
human nature. Again, he's got to fill like 26 pages of like seven comics every month so he's just like yeah, this is a, this, yeah this is a long <laughs> this is a long issue i know man i we, we should have been done with this like 20 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> there's so they're I, yeah I, even as i was reading this i was like geez i've read this comic like five times there's a lot of dialogue to chew through in this thing it is very meaty you definitely got your your 10 cents or 12 cents worth when you bought this thing well i wonder if they were just like they didn't have a pre-established relationship to their audience at this point and they were just like we need to tell the audience absolutely everything just to make sure they really get it no i'm just saying like I, you got your money's worth there's you got a lot of artwork a lot of panels here and a lot of text i mean a kid who bought this for 12 cents was probably sat down and read this thing three or four times i mean that's that's probably two hours worth of entertainment right there and the comic that i'm describing that's got no dialogue over again was that i can imagine rereading this over and over again i might not uh, uh, yeah, as a, as a kid, kid in the sixties, no. sure. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not reading it over and over again. Well, looking at it, it over and over again, trying to see if you can see some of uh, Marvel Girl and some some of the good poses. Come on, Marvel Girl, <laughs> get that mirror back so, out. <laughs> Primp a little bit more, baby. Oh yeah, yeah. Five missiles at the X Men. Oh, I'm on the next uh, page. They all dodged them and stuff. Yeah, Angel <laughs> Angel dodges him because he's he's the closest, and yeah. and I. Ice man shoots ice grenades at them. No, are they ice grenades? Oh, hunter yeah. missiles are attracted to heat. So mm. are ice man's ice grenades attracted by the missile's speed. Mm-hmm. What? I don't know. <laughs> so the missiles crash to the ground. There's an action sequence here of about a page and a half, and they they deactivate or disarm or otherwise avoid those missiles. And Magneto is impressed. But there's still one left. Angel can't avoid it. Oh, grabs it. They use teamwork. This is like the first. Uh, this is the first big teamwork. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's Angel what just brings it over to Beast. Beast grabs it with his feet. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Marvel takes it and dumps it into the sea. And this, Cy- is, this is the big thing about the X Men. They're always using teamwork. And Cyclops looks on. He's not even on this page. I know. <laughs> Where is he? He ran away. He's sniveling by the airplane. Oh, Professor, let me come guess. home. So I guess Beast put him down. I'm scared. No, he got put down. Then he ran he back was- to the plane. In a puddle of Remember, his own urine and tears. Amazing blast to <laughs> knock out Magneto's magnetic shield, and that put a lot out of him. So right now he's, you know, barely conscious, watching the the action. But he's obviously there because when Magneto throws all this junk at Angel, Psychops blasts it away. Fine, I like my version better. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll, we'll go with your version. That's the Cyclops is passed out somewhere, and then yeah, they blast it all away, and then Magneto crumples up the Angel with a whole bunch of metal stuff. At least now he's using metal stuff and not just like magnetic waves. We get a little bit of consistency there. And then we have our first uh, see how easily I can do this, and then Cyclops returns it <gasps> with. See how easily I can do this. He gets out of his puddle of urine and tears and says, I'm going to save my friends. Okay, so yes, he does blast him away. So you're right. There's more teamwork. And again, uh, here's another panel that you would never see later on in the X-Men. Panel to a page 22. Magneto hiding behind this rocket fuel thing in a very, um, I don't know, submissive pose. And that's submissive. He's sneaking. I mean, Magneto doesn't sneak. He, he's like, I'm Magneto. I'm here and you can't touch me. Well, he's sneaking with with intent. I mean, he does. He's, he's hiding behind something that he intends to launch at them. Have you ever does. seen Doctor Doom do this? Maybe actually. I don't know, maybe in the early Fantastic Four, <laughs> but not in the later ones. <laughs> or I don't know, some other villain, Apocalypse, uh, Mister Sinister. There's only one of Magneto, and so far they've shown him up. All right, so. So, yeah, and then Magneto would never resort to a trick like setting the rocket fuel on fire and throwing it at the team. He's too classy for that. Where did he get the match? I don't know. This is probably a magnetic match. Or maybe he sent it so fast within the first three seconds oh. that it lit on fire. Uh, that could be. Or he used those air dust particles. In <laughs> one. Uh, kablam! And then Magneto is like, oh my gosh, they're dead. But they're not. They're not dead, amazingly enough. Can you believe it? Because Iceman <laughs> created a ice cover to uh-huh. save them. And then Cyclops created a tunnel. Mm-hmm. underneath Magneto which sounds really difficult <laughs> and then they come out behind him that's impressive <laughs> yeah and you know the team is like Cyclops why are you soaking wet what's <laughs> wrong with you 
<laughs> Shut up, guys. I just saved you. So, yes, they all get out, and Magneto flies away. And I get this part, um, panel four. He flies on magnetic waves of the planet, and they keep that throughout the entire series. Right. But this magnetic shield that he creates, I don't think that's something that was kept throughout the series. Cause, oh, they needed him to get away. Well, yeah, but what's a magnetic shield? It's just like... I don't know, like your your pocket watch would stop what working if you went through a magnetic I'm sure shield. That he, he's using the invisible one's powers at this point. <laughs> he just borrowed them. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but it's the first issue. They're trying, still trying to flesh out characters. I get it. I mean, I got to imagine that when they first sat down, I don't. I can't imagine that there was a whole lot of planning and meetings. I have to imagine it was more like Stanley coming and going, Jack, old buddy, I got an idea. Four teens, powers. And Jack's like, brilliant, baby. You're the man. (laughs) They smoked a joint and started working. Have you ever heard of a mutant? No. What's that? You're going to love it, baby. It's going to be huge. Well, you heard the famous Stan Lee story where he talks about how Mm -hmm. I was going to call it the mutants, but then my editor was like, what's a mutant? So I decided, well, they have extra power, so I'll call them the X-Men. And I didn't know what the heck an X-Man was, but he liked it, and the rest is history. Yeah. He tells that story on... I think every interview and every commentary ever. That's why we all know it by heart and why Stan about Lee's the X-Men. <laughs> Brilliant. So then uh, the, the, the first usage of the word uncanny. Uncanny. Yes, very important. Your 15 minutes are up, which I got to wonder, like, is this where they culled the future heading for the series? I'm or was betting, it? Yeah. I'm betting so? at some point. During the reinvention, they were like, what, what should we call this? Somebody well, had the issue, wherewithal? They called them uncanny. Oh, yeah. So let's do a callback. Sure. Well, that makes sense. Did they give them 15 minutes to beat Magneto? I missed that. Yes, they did. At the very beginning, um, oh, I think yeah, Cyclops says, yeah. give us 15 minutes, sir. He's so confident in himself and so cool that he can get away with wearing a designer. He designed the outfits <laughs> to be black and yellow. Sure. So no one would notice him peeing in <laughs> Fantastic. Brilliant. So you call yourselves the X-Men. We will not ask you to reveal your true identities. Like, Which is like very that would kind. Happen. Yeah, it is very kind, but come on. Bunch of weirdos <laughs> fly in in an airplane that's controlled by some bald guy. I guess they don't know the bald guy, but one's got wings. One guy's covered in snow, and the other guy's blasting things with his eyes, and they're like, hey, this is cool. Thanks for saving us. Why don't you guys take off? Have a good day. I mean, that's like a, if an alien came to a, an army base and saved them from the Russians. Do you think the army military or the military people are like, oh, we should just let E.T. go? Or like, oh, my God, we got to get E.T. Maybe in the 60s, they're like, oh, E.T., run, run, get out of here. It wasn't until it's the clearly eight- a case of Stanley having to be like, uh, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. Oh, I only got a page left and a panel. So then, yeah, you got another Professor X in the clouds. Good job students <laughs> you've justified our long hours of training and then in, in in typical stanley fashion you've got that final block there of you've just read the most incredible tale ever come back next time for an even more exciting tale which i grow tired of hyperbole <laughs> so there you go the first first issue of the x-men as painfully described by us so what'd you think? Uh, uh, it's hard for me. I mean, like overall impressions of the issue. I mean, I came into the X-Men like most people with the uncanny, you know, somewhere around 204. So you had Wolverine and, you know, that's it. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of other X-Men, but, you know, that's the X-Men that I, I grew up with and I identified with. And I was aware, obviously, that there were 200 other issues that I hadn't read and I wanted to because, like, there's a lot of backstory here. And when I got the Marvel Masterpiece, uh, the first 10 issues, I was like, what the hell? What is this? You know, who are these? I mean, I obviously knew who. Well, I obviously knew who they were, but because uh, they were X-Factor, I guess, um, in those days that I started reading. But... I don't know. It's definitely written differently than the 80s or 90s style and certainly different than the 21st century style. What do I think? Actually, I, I enjoyed it more um, in this reading than I ever have. I remember, I think I first, like when the Jim Lee X-Men, the whole that whole mm-hmm. second series of X-Men came out, I remember they released, they re-released the, a reprint of the first issue. Oh, did they? And that was the first time that I read it. Okay. 
and uh, yeah, I remember not liking it at all. But this this was this. I don't know. As I grow older, I kind of enjoy these mm. '60s stories. Like I, I I really enjoy the Fantastic Four. I've read maybe the first ten issues, and that is uh, far more enjoyable than this. I have been reading, um, not to get too far off topic, but I've been reading a lot of the Amazing Spider-Man. And, I, you know, they're good when they're involving, like, Sandman or Dr. Octopus or, you know, somebody you've heard of. The spider buggy. The spider buggy. I don't think I'm that far. Is there a spider buggy? Oh. Yeah. You you jerk. You're giving it away, man. <laughs> um, no, I got stuck on some issue where he's fighting nobody and it's so boring and Stan I don't know I guess I'm just not a huge Stanley fan he the way he writes it's just so wordy and oh now I'm doing this I'm going to swing here and then I'm going to land there and I will use my spider sense and uh. well, Stanley only writes the first 19 issues so oh thank goodness so it's just going to be me complaining about the first 19 issues no I am looking forward I mean uh um well, it's kind of way off in the distance, but I guess like the Sentinels get uh, um, introduced somewhere in the first 20 issues, I think. Juggernaut gets introduced. I, I like that story a lot, and Stanley did write that one. And then when you get to the 40s, if we can last that long, there are some really good stories, I think, in the 40s. Oh, we're getting into the 300s. Oh, my God. 300 weeks. Uh, <laughs> eventually, X-Men will get canceled, and we'll catch up. So let's wrap this thing up. We'll be back for issue two next time. So if you enjoyed this, let us know. Hopefully, we'll have a, uh, an email by this uh, by the time this airs, and, mm-hmm. and maybe a website, something like that. We're still working out the details. Uh, uh, you should plug your other show. Oh yeah, go visit us at www.tficast.com. Hey, and you should go to redcatproductions.com and check out all the wonderful videos that I've created. Oh yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back for issue two. Experience.